Hey everybody, welcome to the uh, Juhu Roadshow podcast. I am at uh, 25 Degrees, right? That's the name of it, 25 Degrees here on uh, Hollywood Boulevard. I'm, I'm sitting here with uh, the Twin Towers, <laughs> <laughs> Michael Davenport, and uh, Eddie, what's your last name, man? I've never... Caldwell, bro. Caldwell, that's right. I've, I've like never, Coldwell I, Bangers, but with an A. But Caldwell. better, but better, Caldwell. So, Michael, Michael Davenport, or Dav to the layperson, and uh, Eddie Caldwell, and we're going to talk about we're going to talk about music and placing music and television and uh, movies when we get back. But first, Lance is going to lay the music down and get us going. Lance, take it away, buddy. All right, that's that. We're at 25 degrees. It's it, it's a popular place. Obviously, there's a little bit of noise around, but that's all right. Yeah. Um, you guys have been doing this for how long, Dav? How long have you been doing this? Um, what music business or the actual placement? Yeah, music so business. Music business. 1986. 1986. Was my first year in the biz, working in a recording studio. You came out here from Albuquerque. Yeah. So what brought you out here? Music. I knew what I wanted to do. Uh, the minute I graduated high school. What, uh, uh, what, was, what was it that grabbed you and, and you knew that this is where you needed to be? Well, I knew Los Angeles is basically the center of the universe for the entertainment industry, so I figured I'd got to get over here. Yeah. What about you, Eddie? What, what was the, the, the moment for you when you knew that music had to be it? Oh, well, my dad was a DJ, so I kind of came up through the ranks. Uh, a lot of my family are musicians. Some of them are drummers from old 70s bands. Uh, one being the Brothers of the Ghetto from uh, south side of Chicago. Yeah, you're a, Chicago, a Chicago guy, yeah, right? absolutely. Go Bears. <laughs> Go, Go Bears. Bears. Bear down, baby. We won. <laughs> 33-7. Jordan Howard. Eddie Jackson. That's another Well, That's another show. That's a, yeah, that's another show. <laughs> Maybe we'll do one of those. So you grew up around music. Absolutely. Um, now, your dad was a DJ. Yeah. Where, where Not a known he? DJ. Uh, basically, uh, just neighborhood stuff local bars kind of thing oh, okay cool yeah and so what i mean when did you realize that's what you wanted to be a part of because i mean you've got the same passion for music that dav has that i have when did you know that was your thing flashlight man 1976 harlem <laughs> at george clinton baby <laughs> we that's funk awesome. man it's the only way to funk that's cool. Was it a show, like was it a show or something that you went to? Ah, uh, just it felt so good. I was like, this this is something I want probably want to be involved in later in life. You know, like hearing all the moogs and synthesizers in that song, Flashlight, yeah. kind of sparked me. Like I want to DJ. I want to do something. Yeah. So I used to play my mom's like 45s when she was gone. Like ah, I'm gonna sneak play it. Like what kind of, what kind of stuff were you listening to back then? Uh, Donna Summer, uh, Heat Wave. Uh, Believe it or not, Led Zeppelin. Oh, I believe it. Yeah, Pink Floyd. Just all the '70s, great, great music. Yeah. Yeah. What about what about you, Dav? Where where did uh, where did the hook get set for you? Like, what kind of music was were you jamming back then? Um, it kind of started with syrupy pop songs, like "Seasons in the Sun" by Terry Jackson, <laughs> we had and joy, uh, we had "Rainy fun. Days and Mondays" by the Carpenters. I don't know those things. <laughs> Yeah. They spoke to me for some Shout reason. Shout out to Karen Copley. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and then, of course, Beatles. I was a Beatles fanatic. Oh, yeah, uh, you're a big Beatles guy. And that led to Stones and some other cool stuff. Now, one thing we should interject, too, that I, I think is fun to talk about is, you know, you and I have traveled all over the world together. Oh, yeah. And every time we get a chance to see something related to music, 
especially the Beatles, man. We we take it. We've seen we've seen that we've seen the apartment they lived in in Hamburg, Germany. Oh yeah, the Reeperbahn. Yeah, we've walked across the crosswalk at Abbey Road. We saw Abbey Road Studios. Um, didn't we go? We went to a music store in Hamburg too, where they bought some of their instruments. Yep, absolutely. Yep. Yeah. So, oh, and then what was the what was the place we just saw the other day? Um, Oh, where they went to have a drink before the show at the Hollywood oh, Bowl. Oh, the powerhouse on powerhouse. Uh, Highland. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. So, so we're all clearly like huge fans of music and the history and stuff like that. So, you came out in '86. What What was your gig in '86 when you came out? 1986, my first gig. I worked at a recording studio. Um, you know, basically getting coffee and scrubbing toilets. You know, <laughs> not, not <laughs> for, fun for rock stars. So it's it's as glamorous as we all think, huh? Exactly, it's a wonderful <laughs> thing. But I was lucky enough to be uh, in Keith Olsen's studio, uh, great record producer. Um, the first Some thing, Fleetwood Mac, and yeah, I did Fleetwood Mac, Foreigner, uh, Grateful Dead. Was all it the, Pat Benatar? Was all the big Benatar head. stuff? Oh, all yeah. the big Rick Springfield, Jesse's Girl, all that stuff. So. I was lucky to end up in his studio, and the first thing, the first band in there was White Snake, and we did the, the White Snake '87 record. Snake, baby. Recorded it in '86 when I got there. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So that was a pretty cool introduction to the music industry, and and uh, yeah, through that, you got to meet a lot of label heads and managers. And yeah. Musicians, obviously. Well, and, and you've maintained a lot of those friendships for decades. Absolutely, yeah. I still see a lot of those uh, the old timers when they come through town. <laughs> well, and and you've uh, you've I mean, and it's okay. I mean, you can jump in and talk about stuff we've done as well because you helped bring Robert Mason to the table. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And Robert, Robert, Robert and I played a song together on the Speed of Orange in one of my films, and and yeah, he was Robert's a great singer from New Jersey. He. Um, in a band called Lynch Mob mm -hmm. with George Lynch and other ex-Dawkin guys and then uh, sang with Ozzy Ozzy Osbourne on a tour and he um, and after that uh, Warrant he's been in right. Warrant for a long time he's now. out in, uh, out in the singer. Phoenix area yeah so Eddie when did you make the move out here? Uh, about three years ago but I've been coming out here probably 12-14 years okay uh, licensing music Gotcha. So, what were you doing before you before you came out here? Or I was you still up in, music. Still yeah, up in, in Chicago, Chicago, though. I still live there as well. Okay. And uh, I come. I used to just come out here like maybe four times a year. All right. Out of different conferences and have meetings out here with different uh, movie and film executives. And then you decided to just go ahead and make had to the be movie. here, man. Yeah. The bag is here. I got to be here with the well, bag. Well, it man. is. It really is the kind of the center of the like L.A. It's to entertainment what Houston is to industry. I mean, it's just the center of everything. Yeah. Yeah. So you've got, so tell, Michael, tell these guys, like, what exactly you do as a music supervisor. Uh, as a music supervisor, generally what I'll do is I assist the director in uh, you know, helping you know, see their vision through um, on the sonic level. Right. Um, you know, finding, finding the right song for, uh, for a, you know, a scene right um, you know a lot of the times the directors like you do you, you know you're a big music fan so mm -hmm. you kind of know what you want so a lot of that for me is going out and uh, getting clearances and licenses from labels and publishers to, to do that but uh, sometimes you know directors will just say you know here 
yeah put some music there <laughs> not everybody's not everybody's as in tune right Eddie help, help people understand you know a lot of people I think that that aren't in this business say well why can't you why don't you just put this song in or that song in help them understand the cost of that and, and why you know especially like independent film it's very difficult it's costly to get songs in in movies and TV like big songs Oh, you wanted me to elaborate on yeah, like, different uh, help, ranges? Help them uh, understand just how expensive that can be and, and maybe why it's gotten that way. Because it used to be where you could just, you you really could just kind of put a, a, a film, a music, a song in a film, and it wasn't nearly as costly, right? How, how was it 30 years ago if you wanted to put a song in? Did well, it? 30 years ago is probably about when all the expensive stuff started because that's when the big soundtracks were coming out the like Saturday guns. Night Fever yeah, yeah exactly. all that stuff that's really what started it yeah. wasn't it Saturday Night Fever yeah kind of all those, those uh, a little bit before that yeah. big yeah. movies you know those big blockbusters like Easy Rider and you know it's a big history on that one yeah uh, Superfly but you, but you some used of the to be able to throw a song in there well, not quite throw you still needed yeah. clearance but they <laughs> didn't they didn't you know, record business, they were selling so many records back then. Right, it wasn't right. as big it, of a deal. It wasn't a big deal to put a, a song yeah. in a film. Now that those, you know, those profits have shrunk. Right. Now, they look to film monetize. and TV sync is, is like the big, yeah. the big way to it's make It's like money. having a same promotion. It's free promotion. It's a way for them to monetize because, you know, downloads are down. Yeah. Uh, overall, uh, music sales are down all the way around the board. So that's why you, they came up with these 360 deals and they're trying to get uh, music so, and films. So explain and that. Tell tell people what a three sixty deal is. That's an all in case deal with artists. Like they would include touring in the package, uh, publishing, mm-hmm. and record sales all in one. Yeah, it's merchandise like, deal. Yeah, yeah, and merchandise absolutely. So, if we want to use a song in a in a movie now, um, and again, I mean, a lot of people don't understand how this works. There's two sides to be paid. You have you have the publishing side and the master side. Is that correct? Right. Yes. So expl- explain that, Dev. What those um, two yeah, sides are. Yeah, the master are. side is the actual sound recording. Um, usually, a label will own that, and uh, the publishing side is you know, the actual composition itself. And um, you know, when I work, I usually prefer a one-stop, and that's what that's what Eddie provides. He's got a unique situation. Where because um, he, he owns both sides, he is yes. the label and controls the publishing. So, so a great example of that would be um, in the Speed of Orange, for example. I'm I'm not sure if you've seen that that film of mine or not, but oh, we not have sure. a we have a, a when I was a little boy, um, my parents used to get a kick out of me singing "Oh Lord, It's Hard to Be Humble" by Mac Davis. Okay. Okay. And so we wanted to put a clip of that when I was a kid in the movie. Sure. And so we, we did that, but to be able to do that, we had to pay the publishing side because Mac Davis wrote that song, right, but I performed it. And so right. we didn't have to pay for the master because I was the performer, but we had to pay for the publishing. Exactly. Right. And so that's, that's kind of a clarification on how those two sides work. But if, like, in, in Absent, we used Metallica stuff, we paid for both sides right. because mm-hmm. we're using that recording. So, sure. And do you see more of a of a full package thing, Eddie, or do you see you know people wanting to play their own their own version of a song, so they're just paying for publishing? Full package. It's it's usually yeah. a full package yeah. deal. In my experience, maybe one or two times where they you know someone performed it, okay. and they just paid for publishing. But most of the time, it's it's one stop because it's easy, one day clearance, 
one minute clearance actually from me if, if they right. were to get it to, from me it's just a matter of negotiating the price right and i have all the clearance rights so that's, okay. you know, that's why they come to me okay uh, so dev let's just give them a, a quick example and then we'll move on let's say that uh 30 years ago we wanted to put a uh, a led zeppelin song in a movie that would have ballpark what do you think that would have cost that I, yeah i really don't know what it would be I okay mean, well that. let's just do this what do you think it would cost now if you wanted to use 45 seconds of of a Led Zeppelin song in a movie. Yeah, if you could get it, which <laughs> okay. is, which is yeah, very I guess difficult. Zeppelin probably was a bad example, but yeah, bad example. Yeah, but that's because they're t- they're really tight with their yeah. stuff. Is, yeah. is what we're talking which about. Which they should be. You know, yeah. the people they value their copyrights. Right. And, you know, but it's a, a valuable a, brand. A big artist now. I mean, you're you're yeah, looking. I mean, you can get a, you can get half a million dollars pretty easy. easily for yeah. stuff now. Yeah. You know, for a forty-five second use. Now, is that for one side or both sides? Um, it depends. Yeah, it could, it could be, it could for, one be side. for one side. Yeah, because now, what's it called? Um, what's it called when you uh, you get a, you get a, a number from one side, and the other side will honor that? Oh, most favored nation. Most yeah. favored yeah. nation. So, if the publishing right. says you know two hundred fifty thousand, then the master side will usually say two hundred fifty thousand. They'll usually follow, right? And yeah. so you basically you just double whatever that has, that. Which is great in some cases. <laughs> yeah, but it's not always it, it's not always the case, right? No. Right. Yeah. yeah. Eddie Eddie controls uh, something yeah. where he controls the masters, but not publishing. publishing and he's right. had some experience. Okay. Yeah. That, one so. of the bands being Cool in the Gang. You remember Hollywood Swinging from the seventies? Oh yeah, man. Yeah. yeah. I just placed that in a show called White Famous. Okay. And that's the very scenario that you're talking about. We own the masters, and who was it? I think it was Sony ATV that owns the publishing. Okay. So they came in at a high number, and so they had, we had the same high number, so it was a great situation. Okay. It was most favorite nations. But you but you had that option, you have that choice of Yeah, of I could I could out. waive it, but right. why would you do that? Yeah. yeah. Okay, so let's let's talk about how how you you get clients, how you place music. I mean, do people come to you and say, "Hey, you know, we're looking for this." I mean, how, how, I mean, you and I have a kind of a special relationship because we do so many different things together, as far as putting a movie together. Because you like you co-produce this latest film, this addicted to porn film, so you're a little more in tune, and and I understand music. Do you think I do? I do. Most directors kind of have that same feel for music. Uh, not, not generally. Um, most of the time, they're really uh, sort of concentrated on the on the film side. Right. You, you're pretty well rounded with everything, <laughs> which is cool. <laughs> so, so if someone's not, they just come to you and say, "Okay, I, I I've got this this vibe I need, or this feel of that I this shot, this scene. I mean, how does that typically work when they come to you? Yeah, and they generally, need music? I'll, I'll come back to them with a few options for each. You know, first of all, the budget. You need to know the budget. Right. Because everybody wants Beatles and Stones and Tom Petty. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, then always. you come back to them with, you know, some realistic <laughs> options. Uh, oh, I freaked out the first time you started coming back to me with some of the costs. Yeah. I, it's so disappointing, too, because <laughs> yeah. w- well, what is it about a commercial hit that, that makes a difference as, com- as compared to somebody that's a lesser known? I mean, what do you... What Familiarity. Do you, th- you know, uh, people know that song. Yeah. It identifies with their everyday life. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah, especially if they're trying to get something from the era. Yeah. Because it'll take you back. Like I said, like Carpenter's like Rainy Days and Mondays, you're instantly yeah. jetted back to early 70s. It well, also brings the fan base to the project. Right. 
So if no. you're using a Tom Petty or a Fleetwood Mac, I mean, no. because, um, and, and I, I definitely want to, I want to plant this seed with you guys for later when we come back. Later in the in the show, I want to talk about um, some of your favorite usages of music in a film. But uh, but uh, just a quick example, um, this new Guardians of the Galaxy, they use the chain from from Fleetwood Mac, and they use it really really well. And so you're bringing that whole Fleetwood Mac fan base to the film, right? Is that that's kind of what you're getting? I at. wouldn't say the whole, but yeah. You're, but yeah, for, in, if for they the most would part. go back and see it, it would make them want to watch it again. Maybe yeah. you know, it makes them feel good. Yeah, well, it's great. Perfect example is Sunshine of Your Love by Cream. I, I identify that movie with Casino. I mean that that song with the movie Casino. Yeah, because I just love that. Or Goodfellas. It was Goodfellas. Goodfellas. Yeah, it yeah. was Goodfellas. So every time I hear that song, I think of Ray Liotta. You know. Yeah. <laughs> it's so cool. So well, I, I I I want to give you guys a fair chance to think about this while we do the show, but we're going to sure. come back towards the end and talk about some of the best usages of of a, of a song in in movies. So so. Like for for example, when we uh, when we do ours, we do what's called a gold cut, right? Yeah. And the gold cut is I, I edit the movie with all the songs I wish we could use, yeah. that we'll never that's, be able to that's, use. That's even more than gold. That's that's the Bitcoin cut. That's the bit. <laughs> <laughs> that's the Bitcoin cut. We're gonna we're gonna have to change the title of that. Yeah. But uh, but you know, that's that's kind of that's gotta be a fun challenge for you guys if somebody comes to you and. They've got a. They've got. You know, I want something like this song, this song, this song. And you've you've got to go out and try to find something that that kind of mimics that or creates Every the day. same vibe. Is it this morning? Okay, tell last us about. Last night, it. eleven o'clock. Last night, uh, our music supervisor Jonathan Lane uh, hit me at eleven o'clock last night. Hey, you got a song like Sing Sing? You know the old forties. Yeah. Uh, tune. I need it now. I need it. Hey, as soon as possible, like in the morning. It, can it work with this budget? And, you know, my job is to go through our catalog and look for something with that feel and tempo. Now, let's give everybody some perspective on what that job is like for you, because how many songs did you say you have in your stable right now? <laughs> uh, about 50,000. About 50,000. Yeah. And you've got to try to you've got to try to recall. So do you do you break that down? Do you have like some metadata or something? Or? Sure. I could just type the name. Uh, I could just type in Big Band Jazz in, in, in my source uh, engine. Okay. And it'll bring up a plethora of songs. Then from there, I'll go. If I was, I could easily just go uh, 1940s big band. Right. Put a comma between 1940s and then go big band, and the algorithms, you know, uh, situate yeah. what comes out and is spit out a certain amount of Be- songs. Beats per minute. You can yeah. because yeah, I was gonna say you can even things. you can even break it down by tempo and, and yeah. BPMs and instrumentation. Sure. Really. If someone wants. Mm-hmm clarinet or an oboe you want to make sure yeah find that well and then also another thing that you and i have done a lot is there are some really fantastic songs but the lyrics are distracting not 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 the the actual lyrics and the words themselves but the sound of the lyrics are distracting to the scene so we go back in and you can re- um, reach out to the artist and see if they have an instrumental cut yeah. or exactly. they provide one to begin with right and so that so that's also an option yeah, sure Speaking of speaking of tempo, let's talk about this because this is kind of a rock in my shoe. Are you guys as tired as I am of of these really great songs being taken and used at a much slower tempo? Oh God, don't mention that, man. <laughs> we talk about that oh, every man. other day. <laughs> in fact, I just promoted that uh, unwillingly. 
What's that? Uh, dark and moody. They call it moody. Is that what it's called? Yeah, that's what that's what they'll describe it. Hey, could you send us a dark and moody cover of a of a famous song? It's so tired, man. But you know that's what the clients want. For some reason, they ident- they identify with that. Yeah. So uh, yeah. I mean, it's like every damn movie trailer now. Yeah, every single one. Every, yeah. I I told Dav because we went and saw we went and saw a movie yesterday. Uh, I Another said, one, huh? We should wow. uh, we should take like love songs and speed them up. Let's just let's just turn it around. Turn it around. <laughs> let's turn it around. Man. Yeah. But it's like it's more and more, and every time it comes on, you're like, oh. You know, and it was funny. The trailer houses are kind of tired of it too, and the music supervisors. It's the clients that love it, because they'll say, hey, can you do something like Fifty Shades of Grey, Crazy in Love by Beyonce? Can you do a spooky version? That's what started it all. Fifty Shades of Grey. Yeah. Crazy in Love, Beyonce. Was Somebody that it? slowed it down and made it all. Spooky. I thought it was Lord. I thought it was Lord doing. Uh, she took one and slowed it. She down. did. It might have been that one. It was. It was it, the uh, everyone right. wants to rule the world. Yeah. The Tears for Fears track. Yeah. It could, and it's just like every yeah. damn trailer. Now. It's not going anywhere either. That's I just shame. talked to a bunch of industry people. Yeah, the clients up love to it. the client. The yeah. client is the clients yeah. is calling the shots, well, you, man. You have to wonder if the original artists actually love it because it brings their song back into relevancy. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? It's it's a it's a great thing because the independent artists get a platform. They get a whole lot of money for it. Yeah. Because I just had a, a guy uh, uh, out of Spain called Hit Filling. He just did a rock sets cover. I can't remember the name of it. Uh, Hit something. And a John Denver song, uh, Jet Plane. Something leaving on a jet plane. Really? That's spooky now. That's that's a spooky. <laughs> yeah, so I had some of my artists okay. make spooky covers. <laughs> okay. And I got more coming. I mean, it's just nonstop. It's so easy to do for everybody. Yeah. Is you it? Know, you can sing out a key. It's just ridiculous, and they want it crazy sounding. You know. So yeah. a lot of the major artists actually need they need to have approval. You know, even though if a publisher yeah. has yeah. some control, sometimes there's an artist. That, you know, would have to say no. I don't want that. Sl- yeah, Lenny Kravitz won't let anybody just do his stuff. Yeah, you got to talk to him first. Yeah, that's well, a couple of them. It does. It does seem like more times than not, it's a, it's a, it's an older track. It's a classic rock track that. Yeah. You know, a classic track. So, I, I would imagine that those artists appreciate it because, like, like I said, it brings them back into some sense of relevancy. Yeah. To to a generation that that didn't know. It's like, you know, it's it, it's it's kind of sad seeing all this great music fading away because music has definitely changed and it's like you and I were talking about the, yesterday that the Kanye who was it Kanye and Kanye and and somebody else did something with uh, with uh, Phil or with uh, McCartney right yeah that was Kanye and uh, Rihanna yeah Kanye and Rihanna and, and kids you know y- younger kids are gener- this generation was saying oh they revived that old guy's career yeah, thank I mean, God they, they helped that old guy out. Yeah. So, what what's your take on the on the state of music these days? Where do you think music's at? I think business wise, it's great. There's a lot of avenues for indie artists. They don't need to need uh, record labels or anything like that. They can put out their own music. But it's a flip side to that. The music is, you know, mediocre. You know, yeah. it's a lot, lot, not a live, not a lot of live instrumentation. Yeah. It's not as organic. Uh, it don't last that long. Nobody remembers hits from two years ago. Right. It's not iconic, you know. Well, that's a great that's a great way yeah. to put it. The talent level isn't what it yeah. used to be, and yeah. and it seems like the talent level isn't what it used to be, and the content isn't what it used yeah. to be, because there's not like 
there's not Neil Young's singing about shit that like really matters. It's also a copycat game, you know. You heard w- one new artist song, you're gonna have 15 or 20 of them of that same song, basically. So, it so becomes, it's a cookie cutter kind of thing. So it becomes like a template. All right, that works for them, so we're gonna do that. Yeah, and the record labels encourage it because they don't want to lose money. Right. You know, but it all entails like it could be an artist putting out total garbage. Yeah. And but he's got, you know, 40 million. Twitter followers or something. So hey, let's put it, put out this garbage. We don't care. We're gonna make some money. Yeah, the ca- Cash Me Outside girl. Oh right? my goodness, She's got oh, a record big deal. Record deal on Atlantic now. Yeah, that's insane. So that's you know. What can she do? Going. Wait, the Cash Me Outside girl. She got to deal with Atlantic Records. I'm, I'm naming them purposely. Wow. <laughs> she's not. She don't need. She's not even a musician or artist or nothing. She's just so, a fun. A hit. But it was a big deal too. Okay, so so for for you that, that that grew up listening to your dad, you know, spin vinyl and, and play yeah. these songs, or for you that that you know you were in in, in Olson's recording studio. I mean, you you know you were in there when Scorpions were recording, yeah, you know, Ozzy. Crazy World and all this yeah. stuff. Wow. What is that? What's it? What it is that like for you guys to to have seen it's, it? I I mean, I hate to use the word, but it's my show, so I'll be the one that says it. To see it degrade. To where it is. We complain about it every morning. Yeah. Every morning I mean, we complain it's, about it. It's a different world, you know. It's like, yeah. I'm, I'm sure, uh, well, my parents didn't mind, but, uh, you know, a lot of parents, when they thought the, the rock stuff came in, they probably thought Ozzy was, oh, he's the devil, or yeah. Alice Cooper, oh my gosh, you know. Yeah. You know, maybe it's the same thing. Are, are we you know, turning I, into You know, that? I could say that, but <laughs> I've heard young people complain about music, too. Yeah. So that kind of turned me another way. And nowadays, DJs are like artists now. You know, you got DJs, Calvin Harris and David Guetta, yeah. Swedish House Mafia, DJ Khaled. I mean, they're they're just as big as the stars now. Yeah. And they don't even do anything. They but play the music. <laughs> they play other. They don't sing or nothing. Yeah, but they're sampling all yeah, the great sam- stuff yeah, that we love. So yeah. maybe that's a that's you know. It's kind of good and bad, but it's it's like the you know. Lining. Basically, anybody can be an artist. Well, do, do those guys have to, do they have to pay rights to, to sample those things in their shows? Absolutely. How, how does that work? That's complicated business right yeah. there. That's a lot of things. Yeah. you got to clear masters when you sample. Masters and publish. And pub, so you do the same thing, but, you know. Yeah. <laughs> really? 15 and it could samples be, in a song. Yeah, in one song. It could 87 be, writers. Yeah. That's, that's why you have so many writers on these songs now. So, yeah, we've talked about that as well. That's changed quite a bit, too, because, I mean... Anybody that can get in there and put their name on it, they they, they do. Absolutely. Because we we were talking about an example. I think it was like there was what three writers on Bohemian Rhapsody or something like that, and there was like seventeen on on one of Beyonce's tracks. We some example that we were throwing out there. I got a great example for you. Okay. Uh, Black Skinhead by Kanye West. Okay. It's got fourteen publishers on it. I think eighteen writers. And one of the publishers is one percent, and they have. I always have trouble finding that last guy. That's the weed dealer. Yeah, the weed dealer. <laughs> <laughs> He's in the studio. Yeah. And I hear that <laughs> story from credit. Music Soups all the time because I have Solange, Beyonce's sister, okay. in the catalog, and I was complaining because she has some songs with four to six publishers, and I, and I went into Sony's office, pitching her music, to a, a few shows, and Susan Slammer was the VP. Right. She, I said, ah, this is going to be trouble. I got uh, Solange. Song, I think the song is uh, I Decided, with one by Pharrell. Okay. Uh, and she was like, ah, oh, that's no problem. I'm like, six publishers? She's like, 
Dude, let me tell you a story about black skin hair. How, how do you get <laughs> six publishers? I mean, how D- does that even happen? Different writers. So and the, how, how do you make any money when you've got 17 publishers that you have to... <laughs> well, when something's, you know, that, that level, yeah, you're making that's money. that's a different level. You know, even with 17 publishers, if you're on a Kanye track, you're doing okay. God, yeah. that's insane. Yeah. I mean, clearly that's not the way it was, you know, back in, back in the day when you were in the studio. No, no, it was usually one writer, one publisher, <laughs> you're done. Yeah. yeah. So what kind of what kind of stuff do you really enjoy working on film wise, TV wise? I mean, what do you do more of, film or TV, Eddie? Uh, probably TV. TV. TV's hot right now. And so yeah. what 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 kind of stuff are you placing? You know, what what are some of the well, shows that you're placing stuff in? Oh, uh, that's a great question. Man, there's so many now. Uh, well, that's a good. <laughs> that's, that's a, a good, good problem. A good have, problem. Man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it ranges. Uh, like Training Day was earlier in the year. We had uh, Time Timeless. Um, white famous. That's the most recent. Well, the most recent is nine one one coming out in January. January third, people. Okay. January third, people. Nine one one. That's starring Angela Bassett, Peter Krause. Okay, that's his name. Uh, a few others on Fox. Uh, Star with uh, Queen Latifah. We just did that one. Uh, so do you working on Power uh, with Fifty Cent. Working on a bunch. We working so many shows. It's, do you uh, have a Do you have a favorite like a a favorite genre because could, could, absolutely does it does that's an easy question okay 70s baby 70s. anything 70s 70s rock 70 r&b 70s soul classic soul i'm a jazz nutcase i like big band old jazz like miles davis and that kind of stuff yeah yeah so that's my favorite to place dav is it is it is it uh, is it hard not to get pigeonholed into doing certain kinds of stuff as a music supervisor, do people do people is can you get can you get kind of pigeonholed into oh he's the guy for this? I, I think so. I mean I you know I'm not at, at the level of the big guys that kind right. of do those things, but yeah, there's there's a lot of people that if, if you know, they're doing horror films, you know you get that guy. If, if you you're not careful, you can get stuck. Yeah, some people love it. Yeah, some people love to to do that. You know, but. And, uh, Seems like a lot of the big television guys are pretty well versed yeah. in music and diverse. I mean, I, I, I suppose being labeled as something, you know, could still pay off because it'll keep you busy as long as that genre is popular. Exactly. Yeah. But if you want to kind of expand your creativity, you don't want to get stuck in that in that one kind of. Yeah, I mean, if a director hears something that a soup has done, then you know, then they want that. That's that's kind of cool. There's some really great soups out there doing amazing things. So. Yeah. So let's let's t- let's talk about some of that. Um, you know, it, it really is kind of a uh, an unglamorous position, but yet it it's a really important thing. And there was what they just did a doc on on this. Uh, well, that was more on score. Really. Right. Tell people about the difference between score and and what you guys do. Um. Well, score is usually just a, a composer, um, you know, setting a tone for the film, and then a lot of what we're doing is actually songs, song-related. Yeah, yeah because music. It's, it's, like if something's coming out of a like a restaurant here, right? You yeah, know, in a scene, orchestral would, kind of thing, you know, emotional, emotional right. tension so cues. For, for those of you that don't know, score is that that kind of uh, instrumental bedrock. Yeah for yeah, the scene absolutely. whereas what you guys are doing is 
you know, what's coming out of the radio, what's coming out of the speakers, yeah. what's coming out, you know, or uh, a particular, a featured moment, yes. maybe. Yeah, a montage sequence. Yeah. There's usually yeah. a cool song going on during that. Okay. What's, uh, what's some of your favorite, what's your favorite genre of stuff to, what's your favorite music to work with? I, mean, I like, I like everything i don't really have a specific type yeah that is there a kind you don't like trying to trying to figure out um i i think clearance wise as a supervisor it's the rap and hip-hop because then you do have to yeah that's a, that can be you know challenging. clearances yeah for the samples and yeah 17 publishers Rights. that's it's tough and you got to find everyone you have to complete if there's one percent missing you can't use it yeah because that because person can always come back and that's something that we've run into that we have to be careful with is i mean with the distributor you can't you can't distribute unless you have all of those clearances and you i mean you've got to that's one thing that unfortunately dav has taught me and made me do over the years is cross t's and dot i's i wasn't a big t crosser or i daughter <laughs> when we got to when we started working yeah. together so um so some of the unsung heroes uh, of what you do, give me some of the, the names of, of people that do this that you really respect. And well, I think the ones that, uh, they're not really unsung now, which is really a cool thing because now it's, it's uh, music supervision is a really, uh, it's recognized now by the, oh, yeah, uh, by the Academy. Academy of that's uh, starting this in, of gen- in television. Today? No, this last year. This last the, year, there was the first Emmy Award was given for music supervision in seventeen or 16. 17, 17, yeah. right? And Sue, Sue Jacobs won that, and that was for Big Little Lies, the HBO show. That's for television. Television. Do they, is that's there, the Emmy. Yeah. Is there an Oscar for that yet? They're working on that. They're working on on Oscars now. It might be a few years away. But, but uh, I mean, let's be honest. That's that's as valuable as costume design, as absolutely. set decoration. I agree. I agree. Yeah, and it needs to be recognized. You know. Yeah, so it's cool that the Emmy has done that. So hopefully the Oscars will follow suit. And, yeah. Uh, but yeah, there's some some amazing supervisors. Nora Felder, who I know yeah, Eddie's worked absolutely. with quite a bit. So She's fantastic. Throw she some so, some titles out there. Stranger Things. I okay. think Everyone knows that one. And the music is fantastic. Oh Stuff yeah, well, Lance selected. and I. Lance and I comment. That's one of the first things we commented on on that show. We love that show, but that music is just so tight. Yeah, the 80s composers. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So we'll we'll be working on that one up uh, uh, for the upcoming season. Which on which one? Sorry, Stranger Things. Oh, really? Yeah, nice. Absolutely. Okay. It's 80s based. I got some great 80s uh, 80s bands. Uh, Cremo, I just signed, re-signed them, and I got some 80s music. Okay. Who I uh, ran into at a conference by chance. Uh, I have a group called Character. They're from the 80s. Uh, did use you play, records of Bank Are in one of these first two seasons? No, I, I didn't. We, we did pitch, though. We pitched hard. Sure. Uh, but they uh, end up using known uh, right. famous artists. Right. You know, like we all know Billy Idol and, you know, some of those. Oh, yeah. Duran Duran, those kind of groups. Well, see, I'm more of a, of, a, of a movie guy than a TV guy. Okay. So movie-wise, what are some of the big names? That, the T-Bone? Oh, T-Bone Burnett, yeah, yeah. He's, he's great. And we, uh, John Houlihan. Who now, was, what's uh, Houlihan worked on? He, he John Wick. We, he did the one yeah. we saw yesterday, Shape of Water. Oh, right. okay. On that. His music Shout out to consultant. John. Yeah. yeah, John Houlihan. He's a buddy of yours, right? Yeah. 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 yeah, Eddie's worked with him quite yeah. a bit. Now he, he was the president of the uh, Guild of Music Supervisors, and now he moved over to Fox. Oh, here's one you might music. know. It's uh, from you guys, Neck of the Woods. Uh, uh, we, we did get a placement who... Uh, 
I happen to be a writer on too as uh, Better Call Saul. Oh yeah. Yeah, so we play some good music, some good jazz music in Better Call Saul. Now who, uh, who's? It's super- Thomas Gublin, another okay. friend, another great okay. guy. Uh, he's he's probably the most talented music super that I've ran into. Yeah. His stuff is eclectic. Everything he does is against what it should be. And he's the current president of the Guild so of what, Music what Supervisors. Makes, what makes a good music supervisor? You said he's probably the most talented. What makes somebody a good music supervisor? For me, when it, for me, when it, when it, when it's the storytelling of the, uh, of the scene, and it goes against everything, and it works. Like he he'd use a kill scene, like somebody you know slashing somebody's neck. He'll use Frank Sinatra. Right. He'll use "Fly Me to the Moon" while a guy slashing his yeah. neck. He'll use a Bollywood track for you know a love scene, uh, some Bollywood fast techno scene. You know, he just he just goes against the grain. So yeah, that's why I like my preference. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, their editing skills as well to be able to edit something within a scene. Yeah, you know, that just works perfectly. Yeah. You know, captures the right yeah. moment tension or you know yeah. It's, yeah. it's really cool that's a that's a big part of it and, and their music editors they work hand in hand yeah. basically with yeah. those guys, so. well i think i think some of the best moments that you and i have had have actually been you know, accidents that happens a which lot. <laughs> which is cool because you know sometimes things will time out just perfectly or you know we I've placed, you know, I've actually, I've accidentally placed the wrong song that you, like, you sent me a song and I put the wrong one in there, <laughs> and it worked magically. It's like, oh that's shit, funny. that's amazing, man. Um, but uh, it really is kind of, a, I mean, it, it's, it's growing and people are recognizing it more and more. But it's, it's an unheralded part of the job, but it's such a valuable part of the film or the, or the television show. I mean, yeah, do you, absolutely. do you feel that, do you feel that uh, you guys get or that that part of it gets the respect that it should? you think that's growing? Hmm. It's growing. Because, I mean, you can't, you can say, oh, you know, who's your favorite director? Who's your favorite actor? Very few who's your favorite say, music? Who's your, who's your, ma- it's who's totally your favorite unsung, suit? unheralded. Yeah. yeah. The general public, I think, right. doesn't, doesn't know. They may know directors. They may know, right. obviously, actors. But they, they wouldn't know set designers or music supervisors, those support you know, so it's yeah. it's it's a it's a niche part still. Yeah. I, I don't expect it to ever really be up to the level of an actor or director for people. Right. Well, but, of course not. But it, but it's yeah, it is definitely growing. The fact that the Emmys recognize it, um, you know, as a creative force. It's I definitely think it's time, man. Like I said, I it, I mean, I, but I you know I've seen how much work goes into it and and how important it is. I think it's just as valuable as a lot of those other aspects of a film because. It does carry, it carries a scene, you know, or like you said, when you get those big commercial tracks, it, sh- it shoots you right back to that, yeah. to that time. Um, how do you, how does one get to the level where you're dealing with that, those level of songs, uh, you know, where you're, you're getting to deal with the, the, the Beatles or the Petties or, I mean, how, how does someone get to that level where they're, is it? it it's just the film budget basically that's right. you know if someone has the budget to do yeah, something the budgets. then you're there I mean we just placed a Rolling Stones song in a, a relatively low budget feature you know so okay. it's, they're they're out there so it, it's not so much you guys getting to a certain level it's just what the filmmaker has to bring to the table yeah the more you can afford you yeah know, the, the, the bigger the name how much is a does a, a budget usually how much of the budget usually how much of music. the music 
is is the budget. Yeah, it used to be like you were saying 30 years ago. It yeah. was a, it was a good 10%. Right. Because they were putting out a big soundtrack of Footloose, Top Gun. Right. You know all those things. Um, but that's it shrinks. It's been shrinking. Um, last few things I've worked on, it's probably two percent, maybe three percent of a budget. And sometimes I get contact and say. Oh, we forgot we need music. We spent all our, all our money. <laughs> so then you can go to publishers and labels and do a step deal where it's like, okay, going out to film festivals first. So if a few, few hundred bucks a track, can we do that? And then if it gets, if picked, it gets up picked up by a distributor, it, yeah. boom. We gets, did that. We've yeah, had to we, do we that. We did that. Mac Davis, actually. Right. That was, was one of those. So. Okay. Um, now, what about when you take like a Guardians of the Galaxy or something where it's really musically driven? It's a music-based film. How much? How, how I would much say the budget? I, I don't know, but offhand, I'd say it's like the those '80s things. It's probably ten percent of a budget. You know, if it's like a, a hundred million dollar film, they might spend ten because it's a huge part of the package, and they know the the soundtrack is actually going to sell. Yeah, because the soundtrack can actually make that a profitable venture, right? Oh yeah, definitely. That's well, isn't that kind of what uh, isn't that kind of what Tarantino did when, like, with the Reservoir Dogs, he parlayed what he had put into the soundtrack into what the soundtrack sold for. Yeah, I, I'm not sure of that specific instance, but uh, yeah, it's funny. Uh, Eddie's got a meeting with Mary his music supervisor tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I got a meeting with Mary Ramos tomorrow. That'll be real cool. Now, Mary, uh, tell us about Mary. Mary is uh, Quentin Tarantino's uh, music soup for like Pulp Fiction, um, Jackie Brown, um, Django. You so had to love. You had to love Jackie Brown. That's a great soundtrack, uh, man. Yeah, of course, man. Delphonics, baby. <laughs> they play one song the whole movie. <laughs> but uh, yeah, she is. We're gonna be working on several projects together. That's so I'm nice. really uh, interested to see what she's working on. Nice. Yeah, now, so. That'll be cool. Now, um, before we get into these uh, great mo- these great uh, moments in music, what do you, what do you what else are you working on now, Eddie? What do you got coming down the pipeline? Uh, well, uh, Mike and I we got a we got a movie uh, that we're working on. Oh yeah. Yeah. What's that one? Uh, Hip hop horror fantasy called Dope Fly. Don't uh, fly the hip hop yeah. horror fantasy. Yeah, and we're going to be putting a ton of music. It'll probably be the most music in the history of films. Because <laughs> uh, it's going to be all music you see at Expressive Artist Catalog. Nice. It's, it's going to be a, it's going to be one man for one for the ages. That's awesome. Yeah. So and also we're just expanding the music to see brand. We're going to be selling products. Uh, that's coming soon, so check for musicofthesea.com, people. Music of the Sea. Music of the Sea, that's our, that's my company. And that's the website, musicofthesea.com? Yeah, yeah musicofthesea.com, and, uh, and we're going to be selling all kind of good stuff. So any any filmmakers out there that want to check out your stuff? And Absolutely. Especially if they want some 70s funk, musicofthesea.com. Yeah. Asian music. Uh, we also curate seven record labels. Okay. Uh, 20, uh, 20, like 21,000 songs just from Times Music in India. Uh, Matthew knows Beyonce father. He's a partner of mine. We control his record label, Music World Entertainment. Okay. CDS Records uh, out of Chicago, Blues Label, uh, Red Dog Records in the UK. So we have several record labels that we also control. And uh, artists that want to submit to us, uh, musicofthesea.com. Okay. Hit that green button. So okay, so artists can do that if they want. Yeah, if they sure. want you to carry their stuff. Absolutely. Okay. 
What about gotta have some fly shit though, man. You know, we we try oh, to yeah, create the best. Oh yeah, don't bring your man. A game or your B yeah. game to the table. Bring it, man. It's an A. It's an A <laughs> game. Because I got to pitch to this guy next to me, and this guy won't accept bullshit. You know. That's right. So <laughs> money, Mike. How is there? Is there? And we're gonna get into some shameless plugging of your website in a second. But is there much competition? Like, do you guys compete against each other, or do you work together, or do you do a bit of both? Totally work together, one hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, it's like a friendly competition. Yeah. I mean, we have fun. We're rooting for each other yeah. always, you know. But it, yeah. is there ever an instance where you're like, hey, you know, hey, Dav, I, I, I need this, but I don't have it. Do you have it? Yeah. Or every vice day. versa? Is that Daily. happen? Daily. Absolutely. Now, what about what about you? What do you got coming down? Anything? Um, working on a uh, low budget feature film right now. So, uh, with Sybil Shepherd and James Brolin. Okay. Should be out. Uh, middle of next year and you uh you just started some international stuff that's pretty cool yeah we're, uh, doing some sub publishing no what, uh, is, what is that right now i'm representing and administering uh catalogs for uh, foreign publishers representing them in the u.s and canada okay like a liaison exactly okay exactly. now you are expressiveartists.com absolutely that's me and so if someone wants if someone wants to put their their horse in your stable what, what, how does that work? Yeah, they can contact us through the website as well. Okay. Man, you're going to get better at this se- the self-promotion stuff, man. <laughs> so, all right. so Shameless right. plugging, man. I'm telling you what. <laughs> okay, so here's, here's the portion I've, I've actually been the most excited about talking about this because we actually talked about actually doing an entire documentary on this. But let's, let's go around. I want to hear some of your favorite usages of, of song in a movie moments that have stuck with you since you first saw them. Eddie, what's one that comes to your mind? Uh, one of my very first placements uh, in a movie called Coming and Going. I can't remember the star's name, but it's Sophia Lawrence's son was the director. Okay. And uh, it was a rap tune that I actually produced in the early 2000s uh, called Swan by an artist called Swotes. And uh, it was a scene where a guy was getting out of a car uh, and it was, it was an old lady actually driving a car. She had to be 80 years old. Okay. And she's bumping rap music. And it was one of my, <laughs> my, my actual tunes that I produced with my cousin, yeah. who's a rapper. And it was just banging, and the old lady just got out the car like, what's up? You know, it's like, are you kidding me? That's so awesome. that was a cool scene. Yeah, right. that, was, that was one of them, yeah. What do you got, Dev? Um, it's like scenes that are memorable to me. Like, I'm talking about some of the best scenes in the history of film. And the music that was oh, used. You mean that, oh, we had nothing to do with. No, oh, no, no. We'll come back to you though. But okay, like a moment. Yeah, I've got uh, a, I've got a couple that I can think of that that are they're really cool. I know uh, the um, say anything with in your eyes. Lloyd, oh, the, Lloyd Dobler holding the, up the boombox. The boombox. It's like pretty heavy, you know. That's that scene was just amazing you know Mine i think a lot up. of people feel that no that's a yeah that that is that I, is i think yeah. that'd be on most people's top yeah. 10 yeah because yeah. that's just that's such a like cameron well i mean there's a reason cameron crow was so good at that but yeah and it's amazing because i feel the same about tiny dancer and almost famous when they're singing it on the bus that's fun yeah that's another one yeah. that's kind of like you didn't know that was we well, can't take two turns at once man. oh sorry, sorry. <laughs> oh we're sorry go yeah. for it man okay so one of the first ones that comes to mind for me is uh um, moving in stereo, Phoebe Cates getting out of the pool in okay. Fast Times. I watch at that daily. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I love... That I, is a good scene. I remember yeah. somebody telling me one time that she worked at a, a, a video store when people used to rent VHSs, that that part of the movie was always 
jacked up because people rewound it and watched it so much when it used to be a VHS because they wanted to rewind that scene so many times. But that to me, I mean, it's it's not one of those emotional ones. It's it's not poignant. It's just it's such a great use of that song. And she's walking through the mist, and you know that that weird little intro by the cars is a great scene, man. Okay, what do you got, Eddie? Mine is Shaft, man. Easy. The whole intro to the movie is is just Isaac Hayes with the barcades in the background, uh, just all the hi hats and the orchestra plan. And who is the man? You know, it's, uh, are you, oh man, are you kidding me? Sad. Who was that? It's a bad mother. <laughs> Shut your mouth. <laughs> so that, that are you kidding me? Don't ever ask me that, man. <laughs> the leather jacket and the afro and the sideburns, man. Are you kidding? That me? was the shit, right? Oh man. Oh man. That takes me back, man. That's well. That's what. That's the soundtrack was better than the movie, in my opinion. Yeah. Isaac Hayes, yeah, Shaft, that's a cool movie, But though. see, that's what we're talking about. That's the power of the right song yeah. at the right time. Okay, so you did Tiny Dancer. What else you, What else have you got? Uh, the Say Anything, for sure. Yeah. That was good. Um, I thought uh, I Got a Name. In, I knew uh, that was coming. Yeah, yeah, that was such a cool thing. You know, I mean, with the movie set in 1870, and, you know, it's yeah. a song from 1970. It's just really cool, that juxtaposition. And, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so uh, I got a name that that was Django, right? Yeah. Django Unchained. Well, Quentin's good. He's he's really good at that, man. Um, and then you know, I'll be the guy that says it because nobody else wants to, and I don't blame you. But the ladies love old time rock and roll. The whole Tom Cruise scene, you know, risky business. Risky business. Yeah. I mean, but those those are those moments that that stick with you forever, man. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, what we we were just talking about. Uh, B.J. Thomas too. Raindrops keep falling yeah, on my head. Butch, Butch yeah, Cassidy. Yeah, wow. That was that was classic. Yeah, I mean, that's classic. Riding the bike. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, uh, Born to Be Wild. I mean, that kind of that was. I think that was maybe one of the one of the first ones that was a real iconic song in an iconic movie. Yeah. I mean, for Easy Rider. I mean, there wasn't a ton of those moments yeah. beforehand. Yeah. You know, Midnight Cowboy. You love that one. Yes. I could a lot of good say songs in that. Yeah. You know, it's. The thing about Midnight Cowboy, I mean, it, it's personal to me because my dad loves that movie so much. But the the uh, scene at the end, and I'm if you haven't seen it by now, I think you know when a movie's fifty years old, there's not spoiler alerts. <laughs> I got but, one way out there. But when Ratso Rizzo, have you seen Midnight Cowboy? Yeah. When when Ratso. No, no, I'm thinking about Urban Cowboy. No, I didn't see that. When when. Uh, when Ratso dies on the bus on the trip home and everybody's talking by it's Nielsen isn't it yeah Harry Nielsen I mean, I mean that's one of my dad's favorite tracks and I mean that's such a touch he had one jump into the fire on Goodfellas yeah that yeah. was another one yeah what's Harry that Nielsen. big and Goodfellas jump into the fire Harry I'll, Nielsen I'll tell you one that just came is uh, is uh, Casino um, Gimme Shelter Oh, are you kidding me? I, yeah. That 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 shot yeah. where they track around the guys oh, underneath man. all the lights. God, yeah. I love that damn scene. Yeah, it's unbelievable. What was the one you had from way back? Into the Dragon, man. Lalo Seferin, man. <laughs> are you kidding me, man? Uh, Bruce Lee. Lalo. I'll never forget that. Yeah. Oh, he was a he was a master too. Composer, man. And I was a kid and didn't know anything about score score or anything like that. But I just used to just hum. The groove and the melody to that all the yeah. time. We did a little remake, didn't we? Of uh, Into the Dragon. Wasn't that his on uh, from the Paul Newman movie? What was uh... oh the um, oh uh, Plastic Jesus? 
plastic Jesus. I'll tell you an interesting story about that. Um, Lalo? Lalo? From, yeah, from okay. uh, Schifrin. So Schifrin. Th- there was, a, uh, there was a, a track that I really liked, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, it's called Pers- or Plastic Jesus. Okay. And I, 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 couldn't remember, I couldn't remember where I'd heard it before, but I just remember I really loved the song, right? And so when we did the Speed of Orange's documentary of mine, I wanted to use that song, and I wanted to use it in this scene. My, my, my mom passes away, mm-hmm. and I wanted to use that track. It's just so pretty to me. Yeah. And so we were working on getting, the, getting everything taken care of so we could use it, and it was in Cool Hand Luke. Okay. You ever seen Cool Hand Luke? Yeah, he did the whole soundtrack, didn't he? I think Lalo did the yes, whole soundtrack. Yes, he did. Yeah. He did. But what was interesting, and I swear to you, I hadn't put these two things together, but in Cool Hand Luke, it's the song that Paul Newman plays when his mom passes away. Yeah. And okay. so it was just, it was weird to, you know, okay. that's where, you that's the scene it, yeah. I wanted to use it in. Yeah. And then I didn't, I didn't realize, so after the fact, that's where I had heard it before. And so that's the song I actually played with Robert Mason from, well, Warrant now. That, he and I played that together. I played the guitar and he played the keyboards on Plastic Jesus for, for, that, for that moment in the movie. It was really cool. It was That's really so cool because when I bring up that name, hardly anyone knows. You guys just which, right away. Which is a shame, man. That's yeah. Well, you know, I see, I see his name every single day. Every single day because I have that Joe Kidd poster in my house. Okay, and sure. He did, he did the music for Joe Kidd. Yeah. Right. And he did, uh, he did um, Cool Hand Luke. And he did. What was the other one that we were just talking about that he that he did? Cool Hand, Joe Kid, and then you mentioned one more, or maybe no, it was you. It was you. Enter the Dragon. Enter the Dragon. Yeah. yeah. He was great. Yeah. yeah. He was absolutely great. There's just there's so many awesome moments, uh, yeah. and and that's what that's what music. Well, does. Saturday Night Fever, man. We how could we not mention that? Yeah, exactly. And second uh, highest selling record in history, right? Well, well that, at the time it was before Thriller. That was really that was really the the first time that people walked out of the movie and went right to get the soundtrack. Wow, yeah. I mean, it's 70, was it 77? Something like that, I mean, that's yeah. really kind of, you know, that's a, that's probably another show in itself, but that's really kind of when the whole merchandise thing with movies started. was with Jaws, actually, yeah. with merchandise. Blockbuster. Yeah, Lalo, again. Was it really? Yeah. I'll be dun, damned. Dun, 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 dun. Oh, that's, that's John, John Williams. Williams. John okay, Williams, John Williams, yeah. I'm sorry. Um, but, but, you know, people walking out of the theater and going right to get the soundtrack really kind of started with Saturday Night Fever. So, but yeah, that doodle ding ding boom ding ding, you know, the, yeah. the, the feet walking and everything. Yeah, I'm but, a woman's man. <laughs> but, yeah. it, but isn't it cool that you can hear a song on the radio and it brings back an image from a film? Yeah. You can't listen to Peter Gabriel without thinking right. of, of that. Um, and, you know, I can't listen to the cars without thinking, well, I don't need to tell you what I think about when I hear the cars, but, yeah, but that's you, don't, you don't need the car song to think about that. No. <laughs> <laughs> or, Kevin or, Klein, oh man. See now, now it's all kind of starting to stir back up because, like, you look at the Breakfast Club and don't you forget about me at the end, the the title or the credit track. I mean, those just awesome, man. And that's 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 why I love music and movies so much, and that's why I appreciate what what you guys do. Um, you know, it'd be fun to have an unlimited budget and make a film. I can tell you that right now. If I if I had a real budget to make a film, holy shit, would you and I have some fun, right? Oh yeah. And we bring you in on it too, Eddie. All right, uh, we well. have some we'd have some fun, man. But uh, I just I, I love what you guys do. I appreciate what you do, and I 
it's got to be fun for you guys to, to be able to live in the world of music and marry that with TV with TV and film. It's great. I mean, you got to love what you do, and and you guys, you can't see what I see, but these guys are they're 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 awesome guys. They're both six seven. I'm not, <laughs> so it's funny hanging out with them. You know, you got to be very secure with yourself to hang out with these guys. <laughs> but uh, right? I think it's great. I mean, you guys, you guys get together every single morning here at 25 degrees. We're on Hollywood Boulevard. Yeah. Have yeah. breakfast and talk music and talk movies yeah. and TV. Yeah, every day. A lot of people, uh, they they feel very blessed to be able to do what you guys do. Right, so. Thanks, appreciate it. Shout out to Justin. Yeah, yeah thanks, yeah. man. Well, on that note, let me just tell everyone uh, if you if you want to support the show we'd love to have your support you just go to uh, juhu i mean patreon.com forward slash juhu that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash j-u-h-u you can support the show that way otherwise just let people know about it uh you know rate the show on on itunes we're on itunes android google play stitcher tune in and um, uh, any last words on on you know the importance of what you guys do and how excited you are about the future of film tv anything like that yeah, I'd say uh, just go out and you know recognize uh, some of the credits. Maybe scroll down the credits and see who the music supervisor is, and some of the indie artists that we have. You could see them on the credits as well, and go download their songs, plug them on Twitter and social media, and you'll be helping uh, the culture out. Yeah, and, and Eddie, do you have a? Are you on Instagram? Yeah, I'm on Instagram. What, what's uh, your handle there, so people can? Uh, music read? of the Sea. Music of the Sea. Yeah, Sea being like the ocean. Music of the S E A. Okay, music nice. Music of the Sea. So go follow Eddie now. Yeah, I know. I like that credits idea. That's cool because nobody stays for the music credits. It's always the very last. I learned that from Mike myself. Yeah. And all these blockbusters, there's 12 minutes of credits. I so know, dude. People don't want to stick around. They have things to yeah. do. But you know what? I I always stay to the end. It always annoys my friends yeah so I, I have to stay to the very end and see every credit i want to know every publisher and yeah. every song you know well maybe maybe take a minute though and appreciate it's pretty cool yeah, appreciate that's, that's what you're idea. listening to yeah. yeah and and you know even if you don't stay for the credits i mean just take a second and and you know pay attention to the film and appreciate what those what those songs do for that moment i got another thing that uh people can do to support uh, music in itself, uh, the artists, uh, the film. They can also Shazam and Soundhound during the film. I I know a lot of the young generation already knows that, but you can hold your phone up and find out what song that is. And and do that. Yes. And take the time and do that. Find them on Spotify, you know, and that's how you can, you know, help the culture out as far as music and film is hold hold that phone up. Because there's a a lot of good music out there that, that shouldn't die. Yeah that shouldn't fade away and a lot of these artists are struggling they're very talented and when we it's a pleasure for me just to get them in film tv or games ads yeah you know just to give them a check for something they do and what they love because their ultimate goal is to do it for a living yeah and you notice the promotion that 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 increases their visibility it's unbelievable people that have had something that they've done 10 years ago yes no success at that oh, time. Man. Yeah, you I'm put it in a, a right. TV show or a film, and all of a sudden they have thousands of people coming out, like, you know, getting on their streaming their stuff on yes, Spotify, absolutely, and, and getting what they deserve, absolutely, what they've earned. And it, and it's it's also cool too if you do stay and pay attention to those credits, you'll see what a small world it is and how many people cross paths and work together, and it's it's kind of a tight knit little thing right. if you really pay attention to names and. 
and see people. So, well, guys, man, I, I hate when the show's over. I, I <laughs> do every fun, time. It's been a good yeah. show. It's been great. Yeah. So make sure and check it out on iTunes and, and all the other platforms. Uh, you know, like I said, if you want to support the show, it's patreon.com forward slash J-U-H-U, musicofthesea.com, expressiveartists.com. You don't have an Instagram, so I'm not... There's no reason for me no. to plug that. <laughs> and uh, you can follow the show on Instagram at the Juhu Roadshow. So uh, that's going to do it, everybody. Hope you guys uh, have a fantastic uh, whatever it is when you're uh, listening to this. So uh, that's going to do it for the show. Lance, take it away, buddy. Everything's all right. Everything is all right. Feel the change.